You don't know how much time you have here. And I don't want you to just know that with your brain. I want you to know and embody that in your soul, with your body, in your behaviors, in your actions. Like if there are things you want to do, if there are things you want to experience, places you want to go, you want to shift jobs, you want to go back to school, you want to, you know, have a baby, not have a baby, do whatever it is, move heaven and earth to figure that shit out now. And do not talk to people who don't live in that realm about what it's like to do those things because they don't know. And so if you are sharing your dreams and these quote unquote wild outlandish things with people who are very traditional and want a traditional life and don't want to go anywhere and just want to live in the same, you know, town that they're from and just ride it till the wheels fall off, they're not going to understand. What I want most for women everywhere is to stop playing small and step into your unique power so you can finally show up as the fullest, biggest, and truest version of you. But that requires that you first get crystal clear about who you are and then let go of everything that you're not. I'm here to teach you how to know yourself, trust yourself, and honor yourself so you can create a deeply aligned, deeply empowered, and deeply inspiring life. You know, the one you were actually sent here to have. Come on, let me show you how. So this episode is like energetically sponsored by Naima, who is a friend of a friend, but then also like my social media girlfriend. And she was the one that encouraged me to tell the story on or just brought up like, oh, that needs to be a podcast episode. So this story is here because of her. So send all of your energetic love and gratitude to Naima for this, because I do agree that it is a good one. So two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago now, I was running some routine lab work. So you should know background that I basically like have a medical degree from Google. I am super involved. I love healthcare. I'm super involved in my health. I love to know how things work. And I'm curious about everything in general. I love to ask a ton of questions. But like, yeah, I definitely take an active interest in my care. And I by no means think I go overboard, but definitely want to make sure that I understand like, you know, the whole 360 of stuff. So one of one of the ways that shows up in my life is that I'm really consistent about running my lab work. So you know, even like before and after in between partners, I'm constantly running STD test, HIV test, because I want to be able to like, you know, I never want to be that person that looks up and something, you have something or you've contracted something and you don't know who you got it from. And so one is like STD panels, HIV panels. But the other thing that, because I haven't had a partner in two years, so there's no need to run an STD panel. But one of the things that I, you know, most consistently run is a CBC, like a complete blood count and sometimes metabolic panels, but generally just like the complete blood count, which will like give me an overview, white blood cells, red blood cells. I think iron stuff is on there. So just to kind of like, I like to have a baseline. My thing is like, well, if we start running tests, but we don't know where I normally am, then we have no way of knowing are these numbers good or bad. And again, yes, there's a range, but they'll say you're in the good range, but 
is DACA normally in that range or not? So I try to do that, like I said, every six months so that I can just check in with myself. And then especially with the surgery last year. So I wanted to make sure that I had stuff done before. And so it's been about, I don't know, seven or eight months and I hadn't had my CBC done. And like I said, I wanted to check my cholesterol and stuff. So I had my provider run some tests. And so it became this whole thing actually, because I was asking her for a lipid panel and she kept putting in for a chem eight and a chem 14, which are metabolic tests. And I'm pretty sure they're metabolic tests. And that does not give me the cholesterol information. So it just, that day it like took a while and it was actually kind of irritating because the nurse and she, and they were all trying to convince me that the cholesterol would come up on a chem eight. And I'm like, no, I've done this multiple times. Like, I'm pretty sure it's not. And I've checked like, no, I know this isn't right. So finally, you know, 40 minutes later, I have to stay all this extra time. We go ahead and, you know, she runs a chem eight and a chem 14 and I get the cholesterol test and I have the CBC. So it ends up coming back and saying that like three things were really high. I know my creatinine was one of them. I think my sodium was really low. And then my GFR, which is, um, I don't even know what the actual term is. I was going to make something up, but I'm sure some of you are doctors, so I won't. (laughs) Doctors and nurses. So it measures something to do with like your liver. And so when I came back, I was going to the midwife for OBGYN check after the surgery. And she's like, yeah, just a heads up. Like, you know, you're going to need to go see your provider because you know, some of these are low and this is not even my area. And so end up like, you know, I'm looking at it and I reach out and I make an appointment and my doctor responds and she knows me well, we have a good relationship, but I could just tell kind of from the tone of the email, it's kind of like, "Eh, yeah, this isn't really great. So, you know, yeah, definitely need to see you or whatever. And she had mentioned the GFR, which for some reason is at the very bottom of the report. So I didn't see it. And I didn't recognize like, you know, what, yeah, it just didn't click for me. I don't know, which is really odd, but I just didn't catch it. So I go back and I look and I'm checking and I'm like, wait, okay, this is saying this is abnormal. And I'm like getting online to look and see and what's coming up is alarming because I think it was like a 50 and it's supposed to be over 60. And so this is all about your kidney functioning. If I said liver earlier, I meant kidney. I don't know if I made that mistake, but Anyway, it's about your kidney functioning. And so what's coming up is like, oh, you're in stage three kidney disease, your kidneys functioning at like 50%. You're at the stage before, you know, people start going on dialysis and stage two, you got like a 24 year life expectancy. And again, it wasn't just one thing. So the couple of different things, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I will do a ton of research. Like freaking out is not my first thing. I am a researcher. I love to do it. Let me make sure I know what I'm talking about. Let me make sure I've kind of done as much as I can before I have to start like ringing the alarm. So I do all of that. And like all of the information is the same. There's nothing else that could come up. And I'm trying to figure out in my mind, like, okay, did this just naturally happen? Or did I do something to cause this to happen? Because I was also like, taking high doses of vitamin D on my own. And then I read something about how vitamin D can also cause like, you can basically like irreversible kidney damage. And even the thing with the kidney disease, they're like, you know, once it goes down, it's down and it's not one kidney, it's both of them. Like we can't get it back. If it's over a couple of months, you're just kind of asked out. And the problem was I hadn't had another blood test in, you know, seven months. So I don't know how long it's been low. 
So, of course, I message my medical colleague. Of course, I'm talking about Raquel, my best friend. And, you know, she's on the West Coast. So it's like early and I'll just I feel like we have our own like code. So she knows I can just send the message and not fucking say anything. And she'll know if I send you some test results, we have a fucking problem. So, you know, she gets up and calls and, you know, I know she's like doing, getting the kids together or whatever, but then she's like doing her research to figure out what's going on. And I love her because number one, you know, she's known me forever. So she knows how I am. But I also could tell too, like she wasn't pulling up. Now Raquel will do her best to try to find information to refute what I'm seeing, which I love. Great. Bring it on. But there wasn't any information to refute what I was seeing. And I knew that she saw that too. So anyway, so, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm in, you know, like major kidney failure. My kidneys are going down and they're just saying like, this is going to progressively get worse. And so immediately I am, well, I won't say immediately, but by that time, I don't know if I would say panicking. I was very upset, very upset, like, you know, crying a little bit and For me, when I get overwhelmed, and this is actually the purpose of this podcast, just talking about how I work through a couple of people have asked me this, like how I work through certain situations or specifically because I talked about it on my Instagram today, how I deal with situations like this or how I dealt with this one specifically. And so after she and I talked and, you know, again, I'm like doing all the research. I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to go to like the 17th page on Google. Okay. Maybe the information on the first page isn't great. But let's go to page 17. Let's go deep in here. I'm doing, I'm turning over every fucking stone and it's all giving me the same information. Like if your shit is under 60, you've got a problem. If you're in the 45, I think to like 50 range, like I said, I think mine was 50 or yeah, I think it was 50 or 49, something like that. You know, you're having a major kidney problem. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing probably was the, well, number one, like dialysis, because I know there were some people that we grew up with and their family, a lot of the children in their family have had kidney problems. And so, and I think three of them have had to have dialysis. And so it's just been a lot and they're kind of known for that and what their family has been through in our city, amongst other things. And you know, just thinking about that experience and what that means for me. And of course, I'm thinking about Morocco and, you know, everything starts coming before your eyes. And I'm like, damn, 24 years, I'm fucking 42. I have a 24 year life expectancy. And that's probably on the, I was gonna say considerate side. I can't think of what the word is, but that's probably like on the good side. Like they're probably giving me a good number of 24. Okay. And so that was the part that kind of sent me into a spiral. And so when I start I am very good about allowing myself to feel my emotions for sure. And it's something, especially within the last probably hmm, maybe two years, year and a half, probably for sure. Or yeah, year and a half to two years, I have become much, much better because my focus has been so much on like, number one, me reparenting myself and just really being a friend of myself and slowing down and really paying attention to my needs and specifically like my inner child, my little Deka, what she needs. And so part of that has been really giving myself the room to feel my emotions because that wasn't something that, it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to growing up. I didn't feel safe to. So I will give myself space to do that. But at the same time, I'm not a person that like will just fall apart on the floor. Like that feels very disempowering to me. That will make me feel worse. Like 
If you tell me there's a problem, and this is why I speak so directly and why I like other people to speak directly to me, because I would rather you give it to me straight and let me know what the fuck I'm dealing with and let me go through my process to do what I need to do to be able to sit in that and absorb what that means, then you try to be nice and parse a little bit at a time. Like that's just going to fuck me up even more. And so I'm like, you know, I can kind of feel myself like spiraling. So I get in the car and I go out on a trail because I know that I need to clear my mind. Like I need to be out in nature. I need to move my body. I need to just keep it moving and go out to where I can hear God. And whatever that means, I need to not be here in the house. So I get out there and I am walking around. I was trying to call. I remember actually sitting out there by this stream in the middle of this, you know, I don't know, little forest and trying to call to make a doctor's appointment. And I was on hold for like 20 minutes and I couldn't make one. And I could hear God be like, hang up the phone, hang up the phone. So I do that and I just start walking along the trail. And at some point on the trail, you know, I hear God say, well, I never told you that you had that time. Like, I never told you you had 24 years. And I'm kind of like, oh, shit. Because one of my fundamental beliefs is, and if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talk about this, being very mindful about not making plans on borrowed time. And we're so good about doing that as a society. And like, what I'm going to do in 10 years, what I'm going to do in 15 years, where I'm going to be at this time. Well, I'm going to work until retirement and then I'm going to do this. And my thing is always like, you don't know how much time you have. And I remember an old episode on Netflix. It's like Black Mirror. And I think people had like a clock on their head. I don't know if it was a dating episode, but it was like, I think their clocks were all counting down to the time they were like going to meet their person or something. And it's always stayed in my mind because I've thought, oh, that's really how we're all living right now. Like we're all walking around in the world and all of us have these invisible timers on our forehead that are counting down. And we can't see our own. We can't see other people's but we are making plans about time that has not been given. And so it's something you'll hear me say a lot of like, do not make plans on time that has not been, you know, guaranteed to you. And so I'm out there in the woods and God is just like, but nothing has really changed. Like, I never told you you had 24 years to begin with. And you of all people know this, you are here to prove the principle. Like, and I always say this, like, you can get killed going to Publix. Publix is a grocery store here. I think it's just in the South. I can be killed going to Publix. I could, you know, something could happen to me driving somewhere or somebody run a red light or I fall down the stairs, knock on wood, that none of these things will happen. But there is just a mindfulness that I always have of like, every day you're living, you're one step closer to death. And things can happen, you know, freak accidents, you know, you end up being the person that's caught in some kind of high-speed chase or something. Stuff is happening all the time. And so God was just like, right, I get that you're upset and feel your feelings. But remember, I never told you you had 24 years. Why are you so upset? Who told you you even were going to get that much time? You might only have two years. You might only have two weeks, two months. You might only have five years, 10 years, 12 years. You're getting yourself all worked up about something that I never even gave to you in the first place. So if you want to, you know, know what to do with this time, how about this? Number one, 24 years is almost two and a half decades. Bitch, that's a lot of time. You're 42. You would be, what is that, 66? You'd be almost 70 years old. That's a good goddamn run. 
that's a good run there. So like, let's not act like I just said you have 24 hours. And again, I didn't even tell you you had that much time. But so if you want to know, instead of getting really worked up about what all you're not going to have, how about you focus on what you have right now, which is this day, this moment, the best way that you can impact the next, you know, 24 years of your life is to take the reins right now. Because part of the thing with this kidney disease and when you're in that stage is that there are no symptoms. Like there really are not any symptoms until you get to the point that you're on dialysis. And so that was my first thing. Like, well, I don't feel any problem. There's nothing wrong. I feel fine. I'm actually feeling great. Like things are great. Like what is going on? And so, you know, it just made me realize and think as God was saying this, like the best way you can affect, again, the next 24 years is to take the reins on the time right now. So Whatever story that you have in your mind that you want to tell, Daka, you can still tell that story. You can still do all those things. You still have, you know, a lot of time to do it. And so my process is like, I always say that I am motivated by, well, I'm motivated by fear, but that's a human design term. I will say that my motivation has always been, I'm a worst case scenario person. And some people have seen that as anxiety. And I'm like, no, it's not anxiety. It's actually the thing that makes me feel safe. It makes me feel safe to go ahead and consider I need to go immediately to the absolute worst case scenario. And once I can handle that, then I can handle anything else. And I just talked about this on another podcast. Like once I can handle that from there on out, I can handle anything else. So I have to go all the way there and wrap my mind around that. And then once I do, I'm able to release everything else. Once I've come to grips with the absolute worst case scenario, then I know anything else before that will be fine. And so, you know, that was maybe a 24 to 48 hour process of me just kind of, you know, there was the initial shock that I go out to the trail and God gives me my download and then I start to feel better. And then the afternoon, so maybe we'll say 24 hours. And then after that, when I get through that point, then I can kind of get to my joking point. And it's not, you know, other people may see it as callous or like disconnected. It's not me disconnected. It's just that, you know, Again, once I go all the way to the Omega, then I can let go of all the stuff in between. And I also feel like I'm a really, really old soul. And so I am always reminding myself, like, Deka, everything that you have, everything that you're experiencing, every person that you're meeting, the story that is being told in your life right now is something that you chose before you even got here. So the prayer is not, God changed this. The prayer is, God, help me to remember that this is what I chose, that all of this is in divine order, that everything is working out for me, that nothing that you have for me will ever be missed by me, that I always have the support I need, that I always have the protection that I need, that I am never alone, and I am always loved and cared for. That's the prayer, period. And so was the guest maybe two weeks or something, you know, I ended up messaging the doctor, you know, like I said, she wanted me to come in. And Raquel's thing was like, no, you need to go and have the labs run again because there could be a mistake. I've never had any faulty lab work before. So that wasn't even a possibility. But again, in the interest of just checking off the boxes, we'll go ahead and do that. So the doctor wanted me to wait until right before our appointment, which actually is next week. So she wanted me to wait until the week before the appointment. So I go in the other day, you know, and so to a couple of people who knew, like, I'll make my little... I was telling Raquel, like, okay, so I guess it's a race to the finish line. Like, see who's going to get there first, how much time people have. But, you know, again, it it wasn't a self, I won't even say self-deprecating. 
yeah, it's just a, I'm joking all the time. So that's just kind of me being back to my normal self. So fast forward and I retake the test on Tuesday and I get my test results through like an online portal or whatever. So, you know, I sit down to, they tell me like your test results are in, they came back super quick. And so I sit down on the couch and I'm going to open my laptop. And again, you know, I say my prayer, like God, just, you know, cover me. Like, I'm not asking you to change this. I am asking you to continue to make me and develop me into the woman who can walk through this with grace and still be myself and still be able to see all of the wonderful things that are happening for me in the midst of this thing. Amen. And so I open up the laptop and it comes out that the tests are fine. All the numbers have changed and everything is looking good, which then tells me, okay, so there was some kind of, you know, mistake or something and fast forward, you know, and so there was definitely a sigh of relief for sure. I think a part of me maybe got a little bit emotional, but there wasn't like a full on cry. And I texted, you know, Raquel to let her know. And, you know, she called me and, you know, she was just telling me that she has a Raquel, which I think I've mentioned before, like has a thyroid issue. And so she has to get lab work done fairly regularly, like multiple times a year, I think like every quarter or something like that, or every couple months. So she's just like, yeah, I'm in the lab all the time. And this happens before. Like sometimes there's just a, you know, problem. Like that's always the first thing. And I get, I was just telling her never in my life have I ever had anybody send me some shit that's saying I'm going to die in 20 years and my kidneys only functioning at 50% and all the protein that I've been eating and all the stuff that I've been eating is actually making it worse for my body to process. Like, yeah, I've never had that happen before. And then later in the evening, I get a email from my doctor that's just like, oh, hey, you know, must have been everything came back fine. Looks like it was just a mistake in the lab. And so a couple of people have reached out because I've talked about it today. Like I said on Instagram and a couple of people have been like, oh, how did you process that? Or what was, you know, what was that experience like? Or how did you feel now? Or is there still some residual, even though you got your results a few days ago, is there still some residual? And, you know, this was what Naima wanted me to share. Like, my thing is, no, there wasn't any residual because once God gave me that download and I could process it, I let go of it. I let go of it. And again, letting go does not mean that there might not be some sadness and it might be like, oh, I wish there could be another story here, but I believe what I believe about God. I believe what I believe about my soul, about how souls work. Like I'm very clear and very firm in that. And again, just that point of like, well, and again, you know, I've mentioned this multiple times, but to me, God talks to us the way we talk to ourselves. So because I cursed, God curses when it talks to me. And God is like, well, bitch, this is your theory. You're the one that's always saying like, you can be out of here at any time. So, you know, say it with your chest, like speak up. This is your thing. This is your lane right here. So this is what you're here to live out, live out what it is that you say you believe. And so for me, that was just kind of like a little reckoning of, yeah, that and even in the face of this and what I thought was my kidney failure and my kidney disease, that is still what I believe. I still do believe, again, that none of us are granted any time. Every single day is a gift. You're lucky to be here. And, you know, you never know when you could be doing the most random thing and just, you know, pass out or have a heart attack, have a seizure, you know, just something tragic or some kind of something violent happens. And so, that is my process for getting through things. And I would say, for those of you who have a similar way of functioning, which is, 
I need to go all the way to the extreme. A lot of times people comment that that's like so much anxiety and you're working yourself up. But I actually would argue on the flip side that a lot of times people's inability to go meet the thing, people's inability to go actually sit in the truth of what is, is actually the very thing that's keeping you in pain. Because if somebody is dying, if your parents have died, or if something happens to, you know, I don't know, a friend or a loved one, or you get bad news or whatever it is, a lot of time what prolongs the grief process is our inability to actually face the thing. And I understand that some of that kind of disassociation is a part of the grief process, but at the same time, what you resist persists. It's going to continue to come up. Like you can't outrun grief. You can't outrun your sadness. You can't fucking outrun death. That's definitely not going to happen. So it's just keeping in mind of like that way of processing. And somebody in my DMs was just saying like, yeah, if this had happened to me, I still would be super sore over it. It still would fuck me up. And I'm like, yeah, that's not my perspective because what I hear God telling me is, okay, there was a chance you thought you were going to die. Now I just told you you weren't going to die. And you're still mad about the fact that you're not going to die when you thought you were going to die. Make up your fucking mind. I just gave you your time back. Take two minutes, think about it for a minute and move on. Like we're not going to keep dwelling in this. I'm just giving you all your time back. I want you to focus on how you were going to serve my people, how you were going to serve yourself, how you were going to show up for yourself, the gifts you're going to bring, who you're going to be, what you want to contribute, what you're going to do. I don't want to hear you telling this kidney story anymore, Deka, and that is God speaking to me. So again, for those of you who have a similar way of coping, or even actually, I would probably say maybe a totally opposite way of coping, for those of you who have the tendency to like something bad is happening and you just immediately fall apart. I don't know. Listen to the story. Think about it. You know, unpack it, pull it apart, peel the onion back, put yourself in it and see if my process works for you. See how it feels and if it's something that resonates and you feel like it's something that you could try on. Because again, my thing in any kind of tragedy or shock to the system is to just be in it and to face the truth of what is. And like I said, you know, once I allow myself to do that, then I am given the space and the grace and the breath to be able to just continue to put one foot and, you know, forward. It's like I always say, if you ever hear that I committed suicide, listen, call the corner, call whoever you need to call, call the FBI, call CIA, because I am telling you, like, that's not me. That's not me. Like, I'm not a person that is just going to... Well, maybe I shouldn't make a blanket statement, but I do not see, I don't know in what situation that would happen. I mean, I always say too, you never know who you will become in certain situations and I'm not going to go all the way to the nth degree trying to imagine things, but it's not something that's like even in my purview I've ever thought of anything like that. And so for me, it's just more empowering again to like look the thing in the face and to allow myself to feel it and then to also just go back to my anchor, which is who God created me to be and what I believe about souls and how we come here and what we decide before we come here. And so if I say that that is what I believe, then I will spend my time walking out what I believe. So that has been my saga over the last couple of weeks with the ups and downs of my health. And your two takeaways are, you know, number one, like I said, in Instagram, trust your doctors. Absolutely. Modern medicine is a wonderful thing and go to your appointments, go to your OBGYN appointments. I hate to hear when women have not had a pap smear in years. I just do not understand it. I insist on getting one 
every single year, even though I know the whatever it is, gynecological association says three to five years, my thing is I'm not doing that. I'm not going by those rules. Give me one every year. So run your tests. It's your responsibility. Don't depend on your doctors to always tell you what you need to get. Like a lot of our medicine is really not, it's really, I don't know what the word is. It's not preventative. So there's another word. I can't remember what it is, but it's more of like, we're going to wait until the ship falls apart and then start putting band-aids on it. And it's your responsibility to know what's going on with your body. And that's another one of the reasons why I'm so involved with my care, because I don't want to look back and just say, I'm a grown woman. I research all kind of other stuff. And then something comes up with my body and I'm mad at the doctor that the doctor should have told me, no, bitch, you should have been on top of it yourself. And so that's the perspective that I take. And then point number two is just to make sure you are running them consistently. Run your tests all the time so that you know what the baseline is. You know where your numbers normally lie. If your white blood cells drop or your red blood cells or your iron or something like you need to know where you are. And that way, you know, that's one of the reasons I was able to look and look over the past three, four years of my test results and see everything was fine until just this last test. What the fuck has happened to me in the last seven months? So that also made me empowered because I had the tools to be able to help myself get answered. So this literally was supposed to be a very, very short podcast, but I felt like I was going to have to give more information for those of you who did not see it in my Instagram story. So take care of yourself. Again, like honor your body, take care of yourself. And point number three, I guess would be to just remember where I started in the beginning, which is you don't know how much time you have here. And I don't want you to just know that with your brain. I want you to know and embody that in your soul, with your body, in your behaviors, in your actions. Like if there are things you want to do, if there are things you want to experience, places you want to go, you want to shift jobs, you want to go back to school, you want to, you know, have a baby, not have a baby, do whatever it is, move heaven and earth to figure that shit out now. And do not talk to people who don't live in that realm about what it's like to do those things because they don't know. And so if you are sharing your dreams and these quote unquote wild outlandish things with people who are very traditional and want a traditional life and don't want to go anywhere and just want to live in the same, you know, town that they're from and just ride it till the wheels fall off, they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand it's your responsibility to get into a group of explorers or adventurers or queens, whatever that group is that you want to call it, and find people who affirm the direction that you want to go. And maybe I'll give you a fourth point. The fourth point is if something doesn't feel right to you, if your numbers look off, if you're getting information that's not right, if it does not feel right to you, you do not ever, 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 ever put somebody else's authority over your own just because they went to medical school, just because they went to law school. Now, I'm not saying that there might not be things that they might not know about this specific area, but I will always go back to nobody can ever be an authority on Daka Robinson's body except for Daka Robinson. You may know what you know, but I've been living in this vehicle for 42 years. I know how the gears shift. I know how the engine turns on. I know how to get it warmed up. I know how to cool it off. I know how to change the fluids, kick the tires. I know how to do all of the things. And so it's what I always say, like when it comes to medicine, 
I am partnering with my physicians, my doctors, my nurses in my own care. It's not their responsibility and it's not all on me either because I don't have all the expertise. So please, please, please take your life and your feelings and your experiences and your authority into your own hands and own it very deeply because this is the only life you have. It's the only body you have. And if you are like me and you have big dreams and goals and visions and desires and passions, you know, you want to try to be here and be in the best health as possible for as long as possible. And that is going to require your 100% participation. So Hope this was helpful. Really long episode this week. And thank you for listening. I will be back soon.